0: Leftists frequently accuse us right-wingers of not believing in science. You rotten conservatives with your silly, fantastical god, they say, you don't understand that a simple series of natural laws that came out of nowhere not only caused a universe without cause, but created a mind that could understand that universe even though its randomness renders it incomprehensible, because this is only one of an infinite number of imaginary universes we made up to explain all this away. You backward conservative troglodytes, they say. You think a formless blob of cells in a woman's womb is a separate person when it hasn't even come through the magic vagina yet, where special humanity dust is sprinkled on it and it suddenly develops the right not to be torn to pieces. You Trump-loving jackasses, they continue. You don't even accept the absolute fact that our computer models can predict the future of a climate far too complex for your right-wing computers, and so we know with absolute certainty that. The whole world is going to die seven years ago if you don't give us all the money and power. Well, thanks for your input, left-wingers. And just to show how open-minded we are, let's take a look at some more left-wing science. Here for instance is a wonderful blog called The Selfish Activist, where body-centered therapist Tata Hazumi tries to teach what he calls white-bodied people how to be allies to other-bodied people. And if body-centered therapy is not an example of left-wing science, I don't know what is. Right now on Hazumi's blog, there's a post entitled, Why White People Can't Dance. The scientific Hazumi says quote, and yep, these quotes are real, Colonization and Westernization have profoundly impacted the way we move our bodies. Just think about even this little fact. Most non-European people didn't wear pants before colonization. They, They wore robes and skirts no matter the gender. We also generally didn't sit on chairs. We squatted or sat on the ground. Many of our cultures didn't glorify tight muscular abs. We didn't march like rigid European soldiers did. We walked using a slight skating motion from side to side and a subtle ripple up the spine, unquote. Now, I know you'd think Kazumi would be grateful that white people came along and taught these flabby, chairless, rippling, skirt-wearing savages some sense. But no, he goes on to say, quote, I understand now that whiteness is an energetic imbalance caused by a loss of spinal fluidity and awareness of the lower body. Emotional energy becomes concentrated in the upper body, particularly gathering in the mind. The white body is in freeze. It is ungrounded and cannot feel the earth. We see this pained energy of whiteness play out in our society through violence towards sexuality, emotional vulnerability, and ecology, amongst other things, unquote. So you see, left-wingers, the truth is writing like this makes me love your left-wing science. The new Norm Macdonald comedy special is also pretty funny. Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Clavin, and this is The Andrew Clavin Show. Life is tickety-boo, birds are winging, also singing, hunky dunky ship-shaped, dipsy topsy the world is a-biddy-zing, it's a wonderful day, Hurrah hooray, hooray, it makes me want to sing, Oh, hoorah, hooray. All right, it's mailbag day, and <laughs> yes, I've only got all I've got is math is, I'm in this wreckage of a studio all by myself, we're still building this thing, the little mice are coming, it's, it's kind of like Cinderella, the mice and the birds are building our studio, squirrels are coming in, we get a lot of rats, but that's okay, as long, they, they, they don't, uh, we don't have to pay them as much, and uh, we will get these studios done probably by mid-July, they're telling me now, and so for all this time, I'm just sitting here in the wreckage, pretending, And I, but I do have the lamps from the Motel 6 in back of me, that's that's my Favorite part. Every time I see this, I think, like, why am I broadcasting from like the no tell motel? That's why. Anyway, <laughs> so but if you want to keep the time, you gotta get a watch, right? If you want to know when our studio will be here, you gotta get a watch. And the best way to get a watch is at movement. Movement is spelled MVMT. They take out the O and the E's and the N. Because you're gonna need them, because when you look at their website, you're gonna go, OE! And those Good-looking watches. <laughs> yes, they are. These, these. I just made that up. These are just movement <laughs> watches. Are they really are? Go on the website. You will see they are absolutely terrific. Movement.com, nvmt.com, and you will see their selection of beautiful, fashionable, very modern watches. Watches that you can get for low prices. Because, well, basically, what happened is these two kids were talking. They they were like college kids, and they said, you know, we love watches, and I'm the same way. I, they, I love watches, I love timepieces, but you don't want to spend all your money on a watch. There's just something about it. It just, it just doesn't, it gets to you. It's like it's it's too much to spend on a watch. So, at MV, MT, Movement Watches, these, these start at like 95 bucks, and these watches would cost you in a department store 400 to $500. But, they figured out that by selling online, they were able to cut out the middleman and retail markup and provide the best possible price. They give you classic design, quality, control construction styled minimalism they kind of got those black things with the like no numbers on them they're really fashionable and beautiful they've sold over a million watches in over 160 countries and if you go on their site you will see why instantly you can get 15 percent off today with free shipping and free returns by going to movement.com that's mvmt.com slash Andrew. Put in Andrew and you will get 15% off plus free shipping and free returns. This watch has a really clean design. I've been getting, I've, I've gotten lots of compliments on them. They really are beautiful and they just, yeah, you'll, you'll see. I mean, they'll sell, I don't have to sell them to you. They'll sell themselves. Go to MVMT.com slash Andrew and join the movement or the movement movement because you can't pronounce it without the OE and the N. I don't know why, why did they take out the OE and the N? I, I guess it's always oh, it's because it's so minimalist. That's what it is. All right. All right. So some of you may have noticed there was a minor, uh, you know, um, uh, election, a special election in uh, in Georgia. Here is how CNN was reporting the Georgia 6th District vote uh, just a few days days ago, uh, about June 10th. Democrat John Ossoff has a 7 percentage point edge over Republican Karen Handel among likely voters in a closely watched special election for a Georgia House seat. A a new poll released Friday shows Ossoff leads Handel 51% to 44% among likely voters in an Atlanta Journal-Constitution poll. This is one of two polls that had him 7% ahead. The poll shows Ossoff is picking off 13% of Republicans and 50% of independents in a district that's historically has been reliably red. Newt Gingrich and, more recently, new Health and Human Services Secretary Tom Price represented it. But Handel, the Republican candidate, is drawing virtually no Democratic support. Here, that is what they said the results were going to be. Here are the real results. We're going to win so much. <laughs> we're going to win at every level. Hallelujah! Hallelujah to win economically, we're going to win with the economy, we're going to win with military, we're going to win with healthcare and for our veterans, we're going to win with every single facet <laughs> my oh my What a wonderful day. We're going to win so much, you may even get tired of winning.
1: Yay! You say, please, please, it's too much winning. We can't take it anymore. I feel pretty, oh so pretty. (laughs) I feel pretty and witty
0: and gay. We have to keep winning. We have to win more. We're going to win more. I love it. I love it. This is this is a special. These were special elections to replace guys who had gone into the Trump administration in Georgia. Tom Price obviously became the Health and Human Secretary, uh, Human Services. Guy, And so they had to replace him. And they just poured all this money. All the Democrats, Hollywood, California was throwing money at this thing. It was the most expensive, turned out to be the most expensive uh, race for Congress by, by like 100%. It was like twice as expensive as the last one. They were just trying to show that. They were trying to show that people hated Trump so much and their hatred of Trump that they've been touting through their media. uh, The Democrats have been touting through their mainstream media was just had just destroyed Trump's support. And this was a place where Trump narrowly won. See, that was the big thing, even though Republican congressmen have won this place by 20 percent. Newt Gingrich, you know, and uh, and Tom Price won it by double digits. Trump only won by 1.5%, under 2%. And so they thought, well, this is our chance. This is our chance. They went in. Here is CNN reporting the results. Uh, (laughs) 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 All right. I don't want to drink, you know, Democrat tears, but they just taste so good. Help it! I can't help it. Oh Lord! It, you know, I mean, this is the thing. I mean, it just goes. It's, it's the same thing over and over and over again. There have now been I think four of these special elections. They have lost every one of them. Everyone before it took place was going to be a referendum on Donald Trump, and then afterwards, well, it didn't mean anything. It doesn't show anything. You know, th- this is not. You know, we shouldn't get ahead of ourselves and think this is predictive of 2018. 2018 is too far away for anything to be predictive of it, uh, one way or the other. This is not something, this is the midterm elections. We don't know what those are going to be like. But was this a referendum on Donald Trump? You know, before we talk about it and before we listen to the experts and before we listen to, you know, the pundits and all the people talking about what it means, let's listen to the voters, okay? Because here is Karen Handel during her victory speech thanking Trump, who showed up and gave her support on. Twitter as well.
1: And a special thanks to the President of the United States (coughs) of America. But let's not forget our equally great Vice President,
0: if she hadn't interrupted them to go on to Mike Pence, they'd have been char- chanting till today. You know, they'd have chanted all night, Trump, Trump, Trump. Uh, and the, all the reporters on the ground said when they talked to the voters, the voters said, hell yes, this is about Donald Trump. You can't come into our district and start pouring all this money in from outside Hollywood. Rosie O'Donnell, Jane Fonda, this is from Variety, Jane Fonda, Jessica Lang, Sean Daniel, Connie Britton, Sam Waterson, and Kyra Sedgwick are among those who have donated to Democrat John Ossoff's campaign. And I'm sure each and every one of them knows the issues in Georgia really, really well. No, they don't. They don't know the issues in America. They just know this, the way they look in the mirror and how you know wonderful they are for supporting, um, for supporting their left wing causes. Alyssa Milano actually uh, traveled there. She's the lady from who is it? who's the boss? I think she was in. Uh, she actually traveled there and visited voters and all this stuff. So Hollywood was all in. The media was all in. Uh, the reactions. Before we talk about what we think it means, the reactions from the left, some of them were utterly amazing. My favorite is from feminist Jill Filipovic, I guess her name is pronounced. She has written a book, I can't remember the title of it, but she has written a book which apparently claims that the female orgasm is a right that women have a right to uh, an orgasm which should be guaranteed uh, by the government. Um, I heard that, and I, I, had, I have to admit that I thought to myself, well, back in the day, I'd have guaranteed you an orgasm for free, but that's such an awful, disgusting, low thing to say that I would never say that out loud. Uh, she, Jill Filipovic tweets, at what point Is this not a failure of Democrats, but toxic, vindictive voters willing to elect hateful bigots? It's the voters' fault they lost. It's the voters, it's the deplorables, it's the deplorables' fault. I know it's more convenient to blame the party for just not convincing people, but what kind of people vote for candidates like Handel and Trump? I mean, this is the way they think. They hate you so much that they think it's your fault their candidates lose. Oh, it's it's I'm I'm telling you, they they make it so much fun. They make it so much fun to beat them. It's it's wonderful, you know. But but I think it, really, really, the guys who have to take a look at themselves are the media, the news media. I mean, this Russia. If you had to look back over the first months of the Trump presidency. I, you know, I don't have the figures in front of me, but it just seems, as a guy who follows the news, what was the story covered most? If you just had a percentage of what story, what story, what story covered most, It's the Trump collusion with Russia. It's got to be. It has got to be. They have piped this by. And by the way, I won't make a prediction, but it wouldn't surprise me if in the next day or two or even today, there's some kind of leak from new leak from the uh, intelligence community, some new blockbuster thing, some new tremendous revelation about Trump and Russia that's going to come out that'll peter away, but it'll take this off the front pages because that's the whole point of this stuff is to take, you know, only have negative news about Trump. But this is a rebuke to the media, it is a rebuke to a media that has told this false nonsense story, I mean this is a story you know, you you keep hearing them, you know like How do we know that Trump didn't collude with Russia? You know, for all I know, Trump shot a man in Reno just to watch him die. But there's no evidence. There is no evidence. There never was any evidence. It was always a fantasy. And they keep playing this fantasy. And this is Georgia saying, kiss our grits. We are not buying into that fantasy. It really is a failure of Hollywood, a failure of the Democrats, and a failure of the mainstream media and we will talk about this more but we're going to and we're going to get to the mailbag but I got to say first I got to say goodbye to Facebook and YouTube uh, come on over to the dailywire.com you can hear the rest of the show if you subscribe it's just a lousy eight bucks a month I mean come on if you subscribe you can watch the whole thing if you subscribe even for a month you can get into next week's mailbag and ask your questions and have your life's problems solved and if you subscribe for a year you get Ben and David Shapiro's new book Say It's So about the White Sox championships season in 2005, the only one there will be in your lifetime. Uh, All right, so come on over to TheDailyWire.com. So, Let's think about this Russia story and the Democrats and the, and the media. OK, where does it put him here? Let's just take a look at Ted Cruz. I mean, here's Ted Cruz, a guy who is if he's not a conservative hero, if he is not a stalwart, real conservative, true conservative. I don't know who is. So let's hear him talk about uh, the Russia story. This is cut five. And we know that he's not the only one saying this. Everybody is saying this, including <coughs> including <coughs> pardon me, Democrat representatives. Everybody is talking about this. Listen, this is all
1: a political circus at this point. Democrats and, sadly, much of the liberal media, are using this as an excuse just to attack the president. They want this president to fail. They want the administration to fail, and and, and I think that's that's really unfortunate. know I got to tell you there's an amazing divide. When you're in Washington D.C., the only question any reporter ever wants to ask you about is about Russia, is about I impeachment, is about attacking the president. When I go home to Texas, I travel the state, Mm -hmm. I answer questions from people across the state. Nobody asks about that. They ask about Obamacare. Are you going to repeal this disastrous law so my premiums go down so I can afford health care? They ask about tax reform. I'd like taxes to be simpler. Ideally, what I'd like to see is a simple flat tax and we abolish the IRS. People outside of Washington... Are interested in real policies that are going to produce sure. jobs, raise wages. They're not interested in the nonsense in the attack game and the personal right. destruction that, that
0: consumes Washington. See, when, when I said Ted Cruz, the Democrats are saying this, too, I didn't mean that they're saying that the Russian story is false. But what they are saying is they go home and talk to their constituents and their constituents don't care. Nobody cares because they, they get it. You know, we get it. We see through it. It's you know, you just cannot create a world of illusion and have it uh, and have everybody buy into it. It just doesn't work. Even David Brooks, the fake conservative from Knucklehead Row on The New York Times, a former newspaper. He writes op-eds and they always touted him as a conservative. He was never a conservative. He's conservative in the sense that he believes in dressing well and speaking politely. I mean, that's what makes David Brooks a conservative. But he hates Donald Trump. And he was on uh, with Chuck Todd on Meet the Press. And he just started to say, and he wrote a column about it, too. He started to say, you know what? This story is no story. I'm, I'm actually getting uh, more uncomfortable with this whole deal, uh, thinking that maybe we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. And I'm bothered by the lack of emerging evidence about underlying the underlying crime, that there was actually collusion or coordination between the Trump White House. And so what's happened is we've surrounded the president with this legal minefield, and Donald Trump being Donald Trump steps all over the legal minefield and blows him up six ways from Sunday. But it's become an investigation about itself. And, you know, I've lived through white water, I've lived through a lot of these, and there's a lot of shady behavior that don't rise to the Watergate level, and I'm just afraid we're being swallowed up by the politics of scandal, when there's less and less evidence that they actually colluded. And maybe that'll come out, but so far it hasn't, and it bothers me. You know, remember Trump tweeted out, and I talked about this even before Trump tweeted it out, that there was no collusion, they started this investigation, and now they're accusing me of obstructing the investigation into something I didn't do in the first place. So. People see through that stuff, you know? I mean, look, even when, remember Clinton cheating on his wife in the Oval Office, lied about it under oath. They impeached him, and the people just swept the Republicans out of office because they said, you know, we get it. He cheated on his wife. He lied about it. People lie when they cheated on their wife. We get it. We get it. This, You know, what makes people think they're not going to do the same thing? They're relying on Republicans to have some kind of higher, uh, you know, moral um, standing, but they're wrong. You know, it's not not that we don't. Republicans actually do have slightly better values about this stuff, but the story doesn't exist. You can't accuse a guy of obstructing justice and He gets in the way of a an investigation into something he didn't do. He never did it. It didn't exist. It's just absolutely amazing. But listen, Chuck Todd, then after he talks to David Brooks, he has uh, Mark Warner on the Virginia Democrat. And, and listen to Warner's response to Brooks.
1: What do you say to David Brooks and others that are starting to question whether there's any there there? What I would say is, let's take this in in order. First of all, we absolutely know that the Russians tried to intervene in our election system. They hacked into the DNC. They also used weaponized information. Everyone from all the intelligence community, virtually every senator, Democrat and Republican, agree with with that fact. The only person who frankly seems to still reject that notion is the president himself who calls this fake news or witch hunt. He's just factually wrong. The second piece is we are still at the er relatively early stages, I'm not gonna give a percentage, as we start to deal with those affiliates of the Trump campaign who at least have been rumored or talked about having contacts with the Russians.
0: So, so poor Mark Warner is a rat caught in a maze and he's caught in a hall of mirrors that was created by the media. He can't get out. He cannot get out. These guys cannot just go to the media and say, dump the story we don't care anymore we're you know donald trump was trolling them after this georgia race he, he t- tweeted out democrats would do much better as a party if they got together with republicans on health care tax cuts security security obstruction doesn't work right you know he's basically saying to them this strategy is failing you and it is failing them there's no question in my mind that this election is just showing the failure of that it doesn't mean that trump doesn't have to do a good job it doesn't mean that paul ryan and mitch mcconnell don't have to get their cats in a row and get some uh, health care stuff out there get some tax reform out there they all that stuff has to happen but uh, just meanwhile the strategy of the democrats of, of going after them and and by the way this speaks to us too this speaks to all pe- all the people like my friend john nolte who gets so angry it's CNN uh, as if they had some immense power they they you know it's it's irritating it is incredibly irritating to be lied about on ABC CBS NBC the New York Times every day it is incredibly irritating but you come under the illusion the illusion that everybody is fooled that this hall of mirrors that they've got guys like Mark Warner caught in guys like Adam Schiff are caught in they can't get out of this hall of mirrors that the press uh, has created it gives you the impression that the rest of us are caught in it, that the voters are caught in it. It ain't so. It obviously isn't so. They don't see it. You know, Camille Paglia, the uh, you know, she's a liberal, feminist, lesbian, uh, kind of a very brilliant sort of literary theorist. A uh, little bit, to, to, for me, off the charts uh, in terms of some of the stuff she says. Very Freudian. Anyway, but, but she has been attacking her own party. She says she's going to vote Democratic. She's going to continue to vote Democratic. But she went off. She, Hannity had her on, and she went off on the press. This is the second cut, Uh, cut to Hannity asks her about this whole story. What do you make of all of the
1: violent rhetoric? I mean, for example, it's obscene. I. have seen it's outrageous, okay? It shows that the Democrats are nothing now but words and fantasy and hallucination and Hollywood, okay? There's no journalism left. What's happened, okay, to the New York Times? What's happened to the major networks? There's an outrage. I am a professor of media studies in addition to a professor of humanities, okay? And I think it's absolutely grotesque the way my party has destroyed journalism right now. It's going to take decades to recover. From this atrocity that's going on, where, where, the, where the news media have turned themselves over into the most childish, fraternity kind of uh, you know, a buffoonish uh, you know, a, a behavior.
0: You know, you know. it's interesting. She's such an intelligent woman. It's funny that it has never occurred to her that this is all of a piece, that she keeps voting for these people, and the failure of the news media, the failure of feminism, the anti-male hatred that she constantly is talking about. Uh, they're just all of a piece with left-wing philosophy that maybe she should change sides. And that idea has not occurred to her because I'm sure, like most Democrats, like most leftists, it's not so much that she believes leftism is right, she just believes rightism is evil. And uh, you, once you... you it, that's the as somebody who crossed over, that's the uh, hurdle you have to jump before you can get the point that th- th- this is the left, these people that she hates are the left. But that's a reaction to the press. That is a left-winger's reaction to the press, a left-winger's reaction. So what do you think our voters are thinking? What do you think moderate voters are thinking? How do you think they feel about being lied about? Yeah, we have to fight back. We have to get the truth out. We have to, you know, wrong foot the media wherever we can. But we don't have to get so swept up in their fantasy that we think everybody's buying. It Because clearly they're not. Clearly they're, they're not buying it. And that brings me back. I, I want to come back and end before we get to the mailbag. I want to end back with uh, Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz is on the Fox morning show. And they asked him about how uh, Trump is doing. And listen to what Cruz says. This is cut three.
1: I think on policy and substance the new president and new administration have done very well. Uh I, I think if you look at the cabinet that's been appointed, this is probably the most conservative cabinet we've seen in decades. Uh, If you look at the executive actions, they've been quite strong, whether freezing uh, the hiring of new civilian non-military employees, whether putting in place a moratorium on regulations, whether stopping taxpayer funding for overseas abortion, or or, or whether pulling out of the disastrous job-killing Paris Climate Agreement. All of those were strong decisions with a mandate from the people, and the single biggest and most important thing the president has done is appointing Neil Gorsuch to the Supreme Court and the best thing senate republicans have done is confirming justice gorsuch
0: see this is cruz the dude okay this is this gives me a lot of respect for cruz because trump treated him badly uh, unforgivably during the election he said terrible things about his wife he called names he he did he did all the stuff that put turned a lot of us off trump during the campaign Cruz did what a guy has to do, a man has to do for his country. He had the sads, he had the angries, he left it behind. He did, you know, he went through that, he fought back, he lost the election, and now he is trying to be as supportive as he can. He is working on the health care bill, trying to bring senators from all different sides together so he can get some consensus before bringing the bill out. You know, the Democrats are screaming, the Democrats I love are screaming about the health care bill. We haven't been able to read it and it's bad for the American people. I think, well, only one of those can be true, true right? You know, haven't been able to read it. How do you know it's not great for the American people, you know? Why not Why not just give it the benefit of the doubt? Uh, but anyway, Cruz is saying something about Trump that I think is true. Trump has flaws. Has, as a man, you know, you, I've said it before, he's a loudmouth. I wish he would stock up the government and make sure that the government has enough people in it to run it the way he wants it to run. But let us take for a moment. I mean I know I know this is sinful and basically lightning hits you when you do this, but let's take for a moment the best view of this without becoming, you know, Trump mad, everything that he does is right. It's not that's not the question. The guy is a neophyte. He's a neophyte who's in an office in the, now the highest office in the land. I've said this repeatedly, he's a man who does learn stuff and he has become a better person in office he is not the man he was he does not do the stuff he did on the campaign trail he has gotten more sensible he has gotten more controlled he's gotten more disciplined not disciplined enough okay i buy it not disciplined enough but still more disciplined let him learn let him climb let him get better if the press would you know some some people say well all his wounds are self-inflicted but that's like you know the the uh, savages come in and they the invaders come in and they burn your building and they steal your women and they kill your men. And it's a self-inflicted wound because you didn't fight them off. I mean, the guy has made plenty of mistakes and I've scored him for it. But, you know, he is under constant assault by this massive media machine that the left has created. And in under those conditions, he has managed to do all those things that Cruz talked about. And hopefully, they'll start to pass some legislation. Hopefully, you know, uh, Paul Ryan is saying they will will get tax reform done. They're talking about the health thing. Let's see if they get it done. You know, I, I just think if we give him some time and give him the benefit of the doubt, we'll have time to judge him. There'll be time to judge Trump for good or bad. You don't have to lose all your values. You don't have to get hysterical. You don't have to start shutting down William Shakespeare and starting to act like the left, which has lost everything. You don't have to... Act- you know, take over the strategy of the losers you know, that, which is just a panic move all the way. You know, let, give him time because this is a really really interesting situation and he may rise up and be a much much better man than he, he looked like during the campaign. Give him a chance. The mailbag! Woohoo! Kafifi. Kafifi, I love that. <laughs> Every time Lindsay comes to town we should re-record this. Uh, from Matthew. Who the hell do you think <laughs> I'm sorry? Who the hell do you think you are to say if someone is moral or not based off of untested, superstitious biblical stories that hold no scientific validity? I just read that in the tone it sounded like I was in. Uh, you know, this is a really interesting question, and the reason I took this question is actually an interesting question. First of all, I love the fact, I'm going to assume this guy is uh, uh, to the left, uh, I love the fact that uh, the Bible on which our entire society is based, on which our entire moral system is based, a, a, a moral system that has led us to greater and greater freedoms, that has led us to more and more inclusivity, that has great, led us to the Constitution that created, that showed the way uh, through the dark ages after the fall of Rome, to greater and greater civilization, to the greatest art that's ever Ever been made. The Bible is untested, but a computer model showing that the world is going to be destroyed in seven years because if we keep driving our cars, that's science. <laughs> the Bible is untested, but computer models are science. I love that assumption. That's terrific. But the other thing is when when have you ever heard me denounce somebody on in biblical terms? I, I mean, maybe I have. I, I would. I certainly I certainly would do. But I want to know what this guy feels so guilty about. What do you, Matthew? Matthew, what's bothering you, pal? Pal? I mean, what is it? What is it? You think you heard me said that made you feel so bad? You know, maybe you should examine yourself uh, and check why you are attacking an innocent, lovable guy like myself and the Bible, which would lead you to greater truth than you've ever seen before from Jeff dear Mr. Clavin that's a little different than who the hell do you think you are dear Mr. Clavin I absolutely love your show but I'm surprised by your disdain for all things related to comic books okay this is good I want to deal with this I am not sure if you dislike the art the reflection of culture or the writing to what degree have you explored the genre I believe you would enjoy the character of Constantine from DC Comics I am, sir, so very respectfully your obedient servant thank you Jeff uh, you know that's that's not a fair representation of what I've said. All, I have said repeatedly that I, I've seen comics that I like. I've read comics. I occasionally still will read a comic book. I've gone to the movies. I've enjoyed some of them. I thought this Logan was a terrific one. All I have objected to is their taking over of our mental storytelling, their colonization of the movies. The fact that every big movie, every single summer, is dominated by the Marvel universe and the DC universe, and and my slight suspicion, I have to, as I've said, that that maybe a grown man shouldn't know more about the Marvel Universe than he knows about ancient Greece, you know maybe a grown man should know more about Shakespeare than he knows about the d c universe i mean it it always bothers me when I hear a grown you know it, it doesn't bother me in a deep way. But it, it always kind of just pings a little bit off something in me when I hear a grown person talking about the DC Universe with the expertise of a guy, you know, who really has delved deeply into it. At some point, you know, you put aside childish things. That said, so it's really, it's not it's not the art form. It's not the genre. I'm, I'm in favor of comics. I think they can be really interesting. Uh, you know, I think some of the movies have been really interesting and good. It's it's their domination, it's their taking over of, of the national narrative and of what was once a great American art form, the movies, and is now kind of fading away in this, under this uh, swarm, just this swarm, swamp, flood of of comic book movies. That said, that said, there is something else that disturbs me about comic books that is not a reflection on their quality or their moral standing is that I I strongly suspect that by becoming over-involved in comic books, we are preparing ourselves for a post-human world uh, or an advanced human world. I think this world is coming. You know, Uh, when I look at, when I go off sometimes on, you know, transgenderism or something like that, it's never because some people feel, you know, outside, feel, uh, uncomfortable with their gender I have no problem with that and I understand it and I understand it can be painful and you know people shouldn't be bullied and all that stuff what I always object to is people insisting that I lie because they think it'll make them feel better first of all it doesn't work it doesn't make them feel better but secondly I don't think you should insist that I lie when you say that uh, you are when you're a man and you say now I'm a woman because I had an operation or I wear a dress or you know I wear falsies or I had breast implants you know When you say, now I'm a woman, that's not true. You're not. You're still a man. Your DNA all says you're a man. Every cell in your body says you're a man. You know, you are a person with a problem or a person with a a, a condition, let's call it. And and so I, I can't stand the line. But, but. In the future, not so far away, some of this stuff is going to become possible. It's going to become possible, for instance, to make your brain better with implants, you know. And you say, well, I don't want to do that, but when your kid's... All the uh, kids at school have brain implants that give them an IQ of 612. You're not going to want your kid to go in with his IQ of a mere 150 and and not be able to compete. So it's going to happen. Uh, things that are going to take us outside the realm of humanity as we know it are coming. And they may include gender transfers. Who knows? Who knows what, what they'll be able to do? Who knows what kind of you know work on the body uh, or transplants of the mind they'll be able to do? And I, I, I sometimes watch these films and I watch worry that they are leading us to a world that is sexless, that's genderless, that is not human. And I always wonder, I always wonder when I hear the left talk and they want to make the world perfect, I think, who is it going to be perfect for? Because you can have a perfect world or you can have a world with human beings in it, but you can't have both. And so some of the technology that's coming down the pike, I think some of these movies are preparing us for they're preparing us for women who don't have children they're preparing us for women who can have bodies that are as strong as men's you know maybe who knows uh, I, i'm just saying that there's something about this comic book fascination that maybe go deeper and maybe we should be exploring that underlying issue instead of watching wonder woman win world war one which is kind of a metaphor for nothing you know it's uh, all the feminists get all excited because suddenly wonder woman wins world war one well guess what Wonder Woman didn't win World War One. It's a fantasy. So I'd just be more interested to hear what these things really mean and what maybe they're really about than I do watching the same story over and over again. A guy getting bitten by a spider and suddenly he's Spider-Man. That is that is my only uh, my only objection is just how much uh, comic books have overtaken our imaginations. Ron Harpaz from Israel. He signed with his full name, so I'll give it. High Supreme Overlord Clavin Esquire. I am an atheist of Jewish origin, which I am told you know one or two things about. I do. I have, through listening to you, mostly outgrown my anti-theistic phase. That's I'm, I'm really gratified to hear that. My question to you is short, though I suspect not simple. Is it better for a non-believer to honestly confess their disbelief or to dishonestly profess a belief they do not possess? Uh, that, in fact, is a simple question. It is much better uh, to be an honest non-believer than a dishonest believer. You're trying to get to the truth. And there you can't get to the, the way, the path to the truth is through the truth, is through telling the truth and seeking the truth. Uh, and if you are lying, I don't understand what that accomplishes. I don't understand how God is glorified by your pretending to believe in him. I don't understand how you are brought closer to God by pretending to believe in him. Sometimes you have to lean into your faith. If you have faith, you have to lean into your faith, even though you have doubt. That's a different, that is a different matter. That's not, uh, it's not ignoring your doubts to say, okay, I'm going to play to my faith Instead of to my doubt, that, that's one thing. But to not believe and say you do believe is, is a mistake. It's not necessarily a mistake to experiment with belief, okay? It is not necessarily a mistake to say, let me let me do a mind experiment and see what it would be like if I believe and see if the world starts to make more sense because I tell you for a fact that it will. If you experiment with it and you, and you think like, hey, I can always back out. You know, I can always walk away if the world if I start to become a fantasist, if I start to believe, you know, sit around and discuss how many angels dance on the heads of pins, if I start to, you know, say silly stuff that doesn't reflect reality, hey, you can always uh, discard your faith. But to experiment with faith is not a bad thing, but to lie god never god doesn 't need you to lie God is the truth he doesn 't need you to lie it will not you cannot get to uh, the truth through lies. Oh, Clavin, right-wing sexual icon, prince of all that is beautiful and king of all that is baldness. Wow, that that's most of my titles. Many people have been complaining that Confederate monuments are being taken down and moved into museums, claiming that this is erasing U.S. history. Yet nobody is arguing that the Germans should leave up Nazi art, Nazi symbols in their original places. Uh... He goes on at, at great length about this. Um, you know, that's a, it's a fair question given the evil of slavery, but it's really not. Um, it's not comparable. Um, you know, slavery grew up out of the the meeting, the confrontation of civilized men with primitive men. And it was it was certainly an evil, but it was not something that was imposed on uh, the uncivilized by the civilized. The uncivilized people were also holding slaves. Slavery had been something that was in civilization forever. Uh, it grew up naturally. It's very easy to see how, you know, good, great men like Thomas Jefferson and George Washington might hold slaves and if not feel comfortable with, it at least feel that it was within the realm of normal behavior uh, I do not think and it's it and the Confederacy was more complex than their slaveholding. it was more complex than that one issue it was the notion of their freedom of their b- keeping their culture which you would always I always think the left should be should have been in favor of that right if every culture is valid why wasn't the culture of the South valid uh, so so in other words it is part of history so a natural part of history how wonderful how delightful it is that the logic of American freedom Got us past slavery. That is a good and great thing and a beautiful thing about our Constitution and the thought that went into it, that it led us away from evil, that it was impossible for us to maintain that evil. We tore ourselves apart to come closer to our principles and getting rid of that evil. But that evil, but we shouldn't erase all of history uh, to... We shouldn't erase all of history just because we can't stand to look at that one facet of our history. That would be foolish. That would be Soviet uh, rewriting uh, the past. And I just don't believe in that. It is different to say that the Nazis who grew up and were the worst Um, manifestation of the worst part of European thought and lasted for a decade and were there and were destroyed Europe and were destroyed themselves and destroyed everything. You know, it's it's another thing. You don't want to forget them, but you don't want to memorialize them. It's very different. The Confederacy was much more complex than the evil of slavery. Hitler was not more complex than the evil of Hitler. And so I, I just don't think the two things are comparable. Um, As evil as I think slavery was, I think the Confederacy was far more complicated. It's a part of some of the nobility of guys like Robert E. Lee and people like that uh, can be praised. And certainly as part, a very essential part of our history, uh, it's important and should be remembered and shouldn't be. It shouldn't be written away. We can we we're sensible enough to uh, we're sensible enough to remember without going back into the worst parts of it. Uh, I just want to read. I'm running out of time, but I want to read this from Gerowin because he is a friend of the show. He's always writing in. and he's asked this question several times. Sir Clavin the Gallant and Strikingly Handsome, I'm going into my fourth year of college as an engineering major, so given the amount of money I've invested, it's a bit late to completely change direction and become an English major. However, I feel like God has given me a gift for creative writing, and I don't want that to go to waste. My question to you is, is it possible to be a good writer as more of a hobby, secondary career, or does it need to be one's primary career for it to work? Thanks. A really good question. And yes, I feel you can do it while you do something else. Some of the greatest writers in history did it. T.S. Eliot was a banker. Uh, You know, there were plenty of people who had to work for a living and wrote on the side who were really terrific writers. And William F. Buckley said that people should do other jobs. And I have to say, I have to say, for a long time, I just wrote. I woke up every morning and wrote. Now I do the show, which is something that is, you know, I write part of the show. I write the openings of the show, but it's not writing. But then I go home and and do my work. and And I I really enjoy it. So, uh, listen, writing is a tough profession. Uh, everybody wants to do it. Everybody is, you're competing with a lot of very talented people for a very small uh, audience. But I do think you can do other things. And I think it's good to do other things because it teaches you about the world in a way that if you're just a writer, you will never learn you know you'll never learn so I'm, I'm not against that at all and i think being an engineer is a great thing i wish I, I wish i had i was an english major and i wish i had done something a little bit more practical just to inform my writing it was when i became a reporter and started to learn about how the real world works i think that actually elevated my writing and i wish i'd learned a little bit more about it in school Stuff I like, great Beatles songs, and why I hate them. Here are the Beatles singing one of my least favorite of their songs, but a song that is routinely uh, included in the best songs ever written lists. Uh, hey, Jude. Hey, Jude. The lyrics are simplistic and unclear, and it goes on forever. And McCartney said he wrote it to comfort uh, John Lennon's son when Lennon married this woman, Yoko Ono. Here she is. Nothing can comfort a boy whose father married that woman, so the song is utterly useless. i Andrew Clavin. This is The Andrew Clavin Show. We will see you again tomorrow.